Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. So we got we just got back like a week ago from a vacation from in Florida. Uh, my my dad and then my brothers and families, all of us converged on a beach house like a block and a half from the beach because the beach houses are out of our budget. Um, we all converged there and we spent the week together and it was just really great. And I just want to say thank you. Um, you giving us as a family vacation allows us uh, to be together, to not have the pressure of ministry and here and all that, though we love coming back and charged up. Um, the rest... The rest gives us an energy to go back into work, to go back into ministry, that we're able to pull together as a family and then get, uh, get empowered for what is coming next. And so thank you for that. Vacation was wonderful um, and excited, excited to be back. I like food. Is anybody here a fan of food? I, I don't know that I can fairly call myself a foodie, I don't have a very high standard for food. I kind of just put it in front of me, and I'm pretty sure to enjoy it. Justin has talked about how much he likes food. We're different, okay? Justin will go to a restaurant, find one thing on the menu, and every time he goes back to the restaurant from that point forward, he'll get that one thing. Justin locks in and focuses on his passions. I'm kind of like a food uh, experimenter. I love to try different things. So I almost offended a lady this week, went into a new restaurant I hadn't been to. She recommended this uh, sandwich for breakfast. I ate it. I enjoyed it. She came back and said, so would you order it again? And my response was, um, and she gave me this dirty look, like, how dare you say, and I had to explain, I love this, but I like kind of trying all types of different things. And I'll be honest, one of the things that I love about international missions is food. You go to a different place in the world, and they eat different things. Now, if you're not ready for it, you, you might say, that is gross. That's, that is not good. My rule for eating is, if people here eat it, I'm game. If people here are mixing up a concoction saying, let's trick this guy into this stupid thing, I don't know if I want that. But if it's real and it's food and people enjoy it where they are, I, I want to be all over that. That is not my whole extent of missions. <laughs> okay? That would be pretty pathetic. But it's one thing that I enjoy. It's one thing that I enjoy about traveling around to different places and different restaurants. I really like food. We're going to talk about food today. We're going to talk about enjoyment today. We're going to talk about pleasure and the things that God puts in front of us, and some of the ways that that can trip us up um, by overindulging, and then some of the ways that that can trip us up by thinking we shouldn't delight in what God gives us. So let's pray, and then we'll continue on in our study through Colossians. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We want to lift you up as we just worshiped. We have, we have things that we hold on to. We have things that we struggle with, whether it's uh, behaviors that we have or identities that we hold, or when we look to you, a misunderstanding of you, and we, we, want, we want to offer that up to you. 
We want to come into a fuller understanding of who you are and who we are. And we don't just want behavior modification, but we want our behavior to come out of the identity that you give us. And Father, right now as we open up your word, I pray that you would open our eyes. Give us an understanding of how we live in this world that you have put us in. Give us a humility that says, maybe I'm not doing things quite right. And I, I want to do things the way God has created them to be. Help us to see you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians 2, 16 through 23. We'll read it together. Therefore, no, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up and without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that's from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to the regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So the passage starts with therefore, right? And you know the question. If there's a therefore, you ask, what's the therefore, therefore? And to get into this passage, we back up. We say, where has Paul been? What has Paul been talking about? And so if we back up all the way to the start of Colossians chapter 2, we see Paul starts out this chapter by saying, I am struggling. I'm struggling. I'm in prison. I want so much to be with you. And things are not looking like I had thought they would. The picture that I have in mind is not is not. Uh, going along with reality, and I'm struggling. I want to be with you, and yet I have joy because what God is doing. And then he moves on, and he says, just as you have received Christ Jesus, continue to live in him. And this is a, this is a message of both grace, because how do you receive Jesus? It's not by piling up good works, right? It's not by earning his favor. It's not by stacking up all the things that you have done to prove it, you receive Jesus by grace. And he says, just as you receive Jesus by grace, continue to live in him. And I think it's a twofold message. Just as you receive Jesus by grace, continue. You're not done. Continue to walk in him. Continue to live in him. And don't, don't feel like you started, you started by grace and now you live by behavior. Right? That you please God by doing what is right. There is that, but we have to be very, very careful that our relationship with God doesn't turn into moralism. There's behavior modification. I want to do what God wants me to do, but I want to do it because he's changed me. 
because he loves me, because he's done something in my life. So Paul says, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue, continue. And then he moves on and he says, you have been marked. You have been marked. You have an invitation into the family. Tony, uh, Tony got the awkward sermon of circumcision, right? <laughs> and I love being able to jump away. But it's awesome because it's a, because it's a sign that says you are in. You are in. And you don't have to go through all of the physical adaptations and cutting off and painful stuff. This, this is a circumcision of the heart. This, this is God marks you and shapes you and he invites you into family and he calls you his own. You are marked. You are a child of the king if you are in Christ. Jesus, Jesus, this picture of baptism is that he took, he takes your life and he puts it to death. He puts it to death so that you can rise with a new life. Tony said, I loved it. He highlighted, if you are without Jesus, you're walking around dead. You are spiritually dead. There is no halfway, I think I'm doing all right. You have Jesus and you're alive, or you don't, and you're dead. Paul says, just as you receive Christ Jesus, continue to live in him. You've been marked. You've been called into the family. Your baptism, which is one of the reasons I love baptism. If you're interested in baptism, I want to talk to you because I would love, I would love for you to be baptized next week. It's a marking of I died to the old life and Christ brought me up into this new life. It's a symbol of what has taken place and it's a declaration to the church to say, I'm in, and it's a way that we as a body can wrap around to say, yes, you are. Baptism literally means to dip under, to submerge. They would use it of ships. And like this ship is being baptized, and it wasn't a good thing at that time, right? But to baptize somebody is, is a physical uh, symbol in water, but it's also us as a church surrounding somebody and saying, you are in we love what God is doing in you. Paul says, you are marked. Your identity is in Christ. Nothing that you could have created, nothing you have, could have created lives up to what Jesus has already done and what Jesus has already offered. Jesus is greater than. Your identity is in Jesus. The point, the point comes, uh, it mirrors like what is said in Acts 17, 28. In him we live and move and have our being. Jesus is greater than. Therefore, therefore, Paul says, let no one condemn you. Let no one pass judgment on you is what the ESV says. Other translations go so far as to say condemn. Let no one condemn you. And then just a skip further in the passage, he says, let no one disqualify you. So we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about um, let no one pass judgment and let no one disqualify. Let no one condemn and let no one disqualify. Let no one pass judgment on you. And he says, by what you eat or drink, the food, he talks about festivals, religious practices. Later on in the passage, he says, you know, the rules like don't taste, don't touch, uh, don't handle these things. 
and he's talking about pleasure. He's talking about pleasure, and he's talking about discipline. How well do you follow an old set of rules? And how are you living according to pleasure? Now, question, can you take pleasure too far? Yes. So many people, and we are, we are susceptible to this, we make pleasure our God. I remember painful conversations with friends saying, I, just, I know that God wants me to be happy, and so I think he's okay with this divorce. I think that is a messed up, that is a messed up way to think about that. We can take pleasure too far if we say pleasure is my ultimate goal. That's what I'm going to race for in this life. We hate being empty because we're not supposed to be, right? We're not supposed to be empty. But we tend to look for anything and the quickest thing and the thing that's shouting the loudest that promises to fill us and never does. Justin talked about addiction. The reason addiction happens is because we're looking for something to fill us. And it is pleasurable, but it's a pleasure that traps us. It's a pleasure that uh, imprisons us. And it's a pleasure that leaves us empty and steals us away. So to counter that, to counter that, religion tends to swing in the opposite direction, right? Religion tends to swing toward moralism. Don't make pleasure your God. Don't, don't get addicted to stuff. Don't go looking to feed your stuff, yourself with things that can never satisfy. Do this. Do this instead. And if you want to protect yourself from all those things, do this and do this and do this and do this and do this. And, and religion starts to look at people, and we, we do this all the time. We look at people according to a set of behavior that is uh, we deem appropriate. And we say they are doing it, they must be close to God. Or they aren't doing it, they must be very, very, very far from God. And we use behavior as the litmus test. And Jesus says that I'm not just about that. Paul says, don't let anyone condemn you by what you eat and by according to these old set of rules. And he says, let no one disqualify you, insisting instead on asceticism. Asceticism is, I'm going to, I'm going to discipline myself so much that all of the pleasure out here I will not partake in. I want to be close to God. And so I won't let anything corrupt me. I won't let joy corrupt me. I won't let pleasure corrupt me. I won't delight in anything because I only want to delight in God. And it sounds good. Paul even says here in this passage, it sounds good, but it's empty. It's empty. And so just for a little bit this morning, I want to talk about uh, asceticism, which is to like push delight away, right? And hedonism, which is chasing after delight, right? One says, I will not delight in anything this world has. This world has nothing for me 
push it away. I only want God. It sounds good, but it's you, you should get something in your brain that says something's fishy, right? Hedonism says, I want to delight in everything, which also can sound good, but you should be saying, wait, that seems like you could take it to the extreme. Asceticism is emptying. Hedonism is filling. Asceticism is self-denial, and hedonism is pleasure-seeking. Asceticism says no, and hedonism says yes to everything. Asceticism says run from, and hedonism says run toward. And the point isn't to land in the middle. The point isn't to land in the middle. The point is that we get it wrong wherever we go. If we mark our life by the standard of pleasure, if, if pleasure becomes the test for life, we are on the wrong track. We are on the wrong track. The point is that we need Jesus. We need Jesus. And so if we have been pushing pleasure away, we need to open ourselves up to delight in Christ. Who is he? What has he given me? I want to delight in God. My first, I don't know if you guys have ever done like a personal mission, uh, um, a personal mission statement. My first crack at it, I was 22 years old. I was like, I don't know. I feel like I'm reinventing the wheel. I'm just going to, like something that sounds good, but I mean it. Like I just, I want to love God and love what he loves. I, if I can live by that, I think I'll be okay. And I, I think that's good. I'm a little bit more focused than I was at 22. But to love God and love what he loves is, would be a good rule for life. If God gives gifts, I don't want, him to, I don't want to turn them away. Now, the other side would be to say, so we want Jesus to fill us. And we would also push off anything that would pull us away from him, right? We're not just running for pleasure. It, there is, there's tons of pleasure out in the world today that will rip us away from Jesus. And so we reject pleasure that rips us away. It's not that pleasure's bad. It's that those things rip us away from Jesus. Jesus is our substance. Jesus is what makes us come alive. Jesus what is what keeps us alive. Jesus is our feeling and Jesus is our joy. And Jesus has given a beautiful world for us to live in. Ultimately, our goal is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now people, people will run toward, they'll gravitate toward enjoy him and they'll gravitate toward glorify him. You'll find both kinds of people and we want to merge the two. The way, I want the way that I live to glorify God. And I want, I want the way that I live to be enjoying God. Enjoying what he's put in front of me. Jesus said, I've come so that you could have abundant life. God is not a God who strips the joy from life. As much as religion can tend to sound like that. Don't, 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 don't. The best form of religion, the best form of don't, is don't do something that pulls you from Jesus. 
So I, I was trying to think of a really um, appropriate illustration or a story that we could paint. I want you to picture that Jesus himself has invited two people to dinner. Okay? Jesus uh, shows up and he says, hey, I want, I want to fix dinner for you. And these two people arrive, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, make one of them me because I'm uh, often at the center of my dreams uh, and a lot of that. One of them is me, and I sit down at the table, and, and we see in front of us a spread. In my dream, the, the most beautiful meal is like a big, juicy steak. Okay? That might offend you. I'm not going to let you condemn me for what I dream about for food, okay? So a big, juicy steak, some kind of potato, either twice baked or reds that are tumbled in garlic or something like that, asparagus, some kind of green that I can say I ate my vegetables while also, like, uh, just uh, hovering over the steak. And I sit down, and I look at Jesus, and he says, have at it. And I start to dig in, and I'm enjoying it because that's what you do. And another person, the other person who's been invited to dinner by Jesus, sits down at the table, and they start to give me a look. It's a look of disgust. They're looking at my plate, and so I know that's more than four ounces of red meat. <laughs> Aaron, that is not okay. I can't believe, uh, did we even pray yet? I'm, I think I missed that part. You're just going to town. What is happening? And this person has a clear look of disgust on their face. And Jesus looks at them and says, have at it. Say, oh, no, 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 no. I couldn't possibly burden you. You went through all kinds of trouble. Surely I don't deserve what you're putting in front of me. Surely I don't deserve it. And I don't want anything to separate me from you. I could get so focused on this steak that I could lose the gaze of just looking at you, Jesus. No, no, no. I'll be good with a glass of water. And I look at Jesus, and I look at that person, and I feel bad for them. And then I take their plate. <laughs> and I enjoy the second steak. <laughs> Let no one condemn you for what Jesus himself has offered you. Paul says in verse 20, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to the regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used according to the human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This becomes religious hoop jumping. And in the end, you're just as lustful. It doesn't change anything just by saying, no, I won't enjoy anything. You will still have desire. We're wired for desire. God made us for desire. To try and turn that off, you will be defeated, and it won't change your heart at all. Paul tells the Romans in uh, Romans 14, all food is clean. They, the Jews had grown up. God had given them a structure of food to say, I want you to eat this way. I don't want you to eat this way. Some of it was ceremonial. Some of it was 
because they don't have refrigeration like we do, and God knew for health reasons, I want you to eat this way. Okay? So, but things are changing, and now God is calling all food clean. Paul says, whatever matters, or what, what matters is belonging to the Lord. Honoring him and giving him thanks in whatever we eat or drink. Acting in love. That is not, not condemning and not taking people away from Jesus by what we eat. And so, Paul, here's, here's the thing, too. Paul also says, if what you're eating is hurting somebody else, that somebody else is more important, right? If what you're doing, even though you have a clear conscience... Is hurting somebody else care about them more? I would give up, I would give up uh, all of these pleasures, Paul said, if it meant that I could help this person. And walking that fine line is tricky. Are we living to please people or are we living to actually help people? Paul says, we want to glorify God. We want to glorify Jesus. Jesus actually talks about food. In Mark 7, the Pharisees are coming up to him, and the Pharisees have the look of disgust. Think Paul in Colossians, let no one condemn you. This is the Pharisees in Mark 7. They're coming up, and they say, Jesus, how come your guys aren't washing their hands before they eat? Which might sound like your mom at first, right? You wash your hands before their meal, but that wasn't, that wasn't just what they were getting at. This was this ceremonial cleansing that they took part in that Jesus' disciples were not doing. And they said, how come they're not following the rules? They're going to sit down and eat this, and they're unclean. And Jesus says, nothing that goes into you makes you out unclean. Jesus kind of actually gets a little bit vulgar with them because he says, you eat it, and it passes through. And it's almost, if you took it literally, he, he makes a latrine reference the stuff comes in, the stuff goes out. There's not much value in the stuff. It doesn't have power over you. Nothing from outside is going to make you unclean. The stuff that makes you unclean is the stuff that starts to bubble up inside. And what comes out of you, what comes out of you, Jesus said, is what makes you unclean. In uh, Mark 7, it says in starting verse 20, it says, and he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within and they defile a person. And you want to talk about ceremonial hand-washing. Jesus wants to get to the heart. Paul says in Colossians 2.23, These rules indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism, severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So I think it would be appropriate for us to take a look at this passage and to say, well, what are some warnings to the church? Paul says, don't let them condemn you. And don't let them disqualify you. The deal with disqualification is 
The person, remember the person sitting at the table saying, oh, no, no, I couldn't possibly? Paul says, these things sound good, and they promote a self-made religion. You know what that looks like? I start to do things, and I think that my behavior puts me in good position with God. I think my behavior puts me in the right standing with God. I believe that what I do makes me righteous. I believe that what I do makes me holy. And Paul wants nothing, nothing to do with that. He says, you go ahead and follow your rules. You go ahead and pretend like everything. But I know that there's no change in your heart. If you, if you are living your life trying to please God, which sounds good at first, if you're living your life primarily, if your relationship with God is about you pleasing him, it will lead down a road of performance and behavior. And you will get so focused on your behavior. And when you mess up, you will say, God damn me. I, I am, he's going to push me away. If you live your life trying to please God, that's what it goes to. And it sounds good, but instead, instead, I think we ought to live our lives trying to trust God. Trying to trust God. Trying to open ourselves up to who Jesus is. To trust him. Because when we trust him, when we know him, and when we trust him, he can change us. And when we're changed from within... When our desires change and when our joys change, it starts to come out. And it comes out differently than before I was changed. Trust God. Trust God in who he says he is. And trust God in who he says you are. Without Christ, you're dead. In Christ, you're alive. In Christ, the Spirit has come and lives within you. And nothing can separate you. Your behavior cannot separate you from God. But that doesn't give us license to just go and say, I'm going to do whatever I want, right? Somebody who lives that way doesn't get grace, doesn't understand grace, doesn't understand the cost of Jesus and the gift of Jesus and the transformation of Jesus. If our hearts haven't changed, something, something should be checking us. What do I really want? I want to chase after Jesus. These are warnings to the church then. First, first, the warning is be careful not to make pleasure your God. Everything is empty on its own. I mean, Jesus calls it excrement. If we're, everything is empty if we're looking for it to fill us, Right? If we're looking for something to fill us, it's empty. So like Leslie said earlier, what is it that you're holding on to? What is it that you are running after? What is it that you are going to to find satisfaction, to find filling that is falling short of Jesus? And will you, will you submit that before him? The antidote to making pleasure your God is repentance. 
to say, I, wanna, I need to change the way I think. I need God to change the way I think about these things. Repent. It's, it doesn't have to be a big, heavy, church, bad word kind of thing. Repent. Turn around and see what God has for you and find your joy in Jesus. Another warning is be careful. Be careful about falling into judgmentalism versus reconciliation. I think, I think there are a lot of people who have the ministry of judgment, and God didn't give it to them. A lot of people live life kind of in the ministry of judgmentalism, saying, ah, bad, 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 way bad, not good. And Jesus, we're called, we're called to be part of the ministry of reconciliation that sees people, if they're far off, it hurts. It doesn't push them away, but says, you need, you need Jesus. I need Jesus. Let's need Jesus together. Let's be reconciled together. Let's, I want to help you be reconciled to God. And that doesn't put me in a higher up position. Be very careful about putting yourself higher than somebody else. Be very careful about the ministry of judgment versus the ministry of reconciliation. You know what Daniel in the Old Testament means? His name means God is my judge, which says no one else is and at the same time says he is. So it's not as if there is no judge, right? It's just that I'm not him. I'm not him. God is my judge and God is your judge. There will be a judgment. And he put me in the role of reconciliation. How can I help people be reconciled to God? Be careful, be careful about judgmentalism. Be careful. Be careful, number three. Be careful about do-it-yourself religion. Because rules can't fix my heart. Rules can't fix my heart. I will achieve only a superficial holiness. I start acting as if everything is okay when deep inside it's not okay. When Jesus calls the Pharisees hypocrites, he's actually calling them actors. You know that? The term hypocrite is a term for an actor. That The actors on stage were called hypocrites. Not as a derogatory term. That's what they did. They took on a different persona and acted as if they were somebody else. That was their job. But when acting comes off the stage and starts to be the way that we live, that's where the problem is. When we live according to self-made uh, religion, self-made righteousness, self-made holiness, we walk around put, like giving off this image that everything is good and yet inside being empty and dead. And we're hypocrites. Be very careful because you can't, you can't buy your own righteousness. Number four, be very careful about losing your connection to the head. I mean, that's a vivid picture, right? People who lose the connection to their head aren't doing so good. Unless you're in a zombie show and then the head stays alive and what, it's weird. Okay? You lose connection to the head, you die. You die. You're done. 
Don't lose your connection to Jesus. Don't lose your connection to Jesus. The life-giving presence of Christ makes all the difference between an empty inflation and true growth. Like a balloon being breathed into and just a little pop is just done. You stay connected to the head. This is true for pleasure-seeking. Pleasure-seeking can disconnect us from Jesus. And it's true for asceticism. Say, no, 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 I couldn't possibly. And how dare they can lead you, can disconnect you from the head as well. This is true for any spiritual practice. So Paul talks about asceticism. He talks about worshiping angels. He talks about all these different kind of weird things. And these were all things that people were stacking up to say, I'm, I'm going to do these really spiritual things. Paul says, stay connected. Stay connected. Now what's interesting is Jesus is our head, right? And we are his body. When you're connected to Jesus, who are you also connected to? The body. You are not made to have a personal relationship with Jesus on your own. I am not made for that. I had friends in college that said, I have a relationship with Jesus. I'm good. I don't need a church. False. It's just not true. If you are connected to the head, you are also connected to the body, which is why we talk about we want to be in community. If you call DR your home, you need to be in community. You need relationships. You're wired that way. God wired you that way. And to, to disconnect yourself from the body, you're not very far from disconnecting yourself from the head. We are not made for a Jesus, Jesus uh, alone relationship. Jesus with his body relationship is what he calls us to be. Are you missing Jesus in the day-to-day -day of your life? Are you walking around disconnected from the head, oblivious to him? Are you missing connection with the head? Are you missing connection with the body? And the antidote is to repent. <laughs> it's actually pretty simple. If you find something not right, repent and go the other way. Let God change your mind about something. Think on it and reflect on it and talk about it with other people. And if God is changing your mind about something, then put it into action. That's repentance and that's walking out your belief in who he is. If you're not a part of the body, if you're distanced from the head, turn around. Ask God to make that change in you. And the last one is be very careful that you don't miss the joy, that you don't miss the pleasure that Jesus is offering you, that Jesus has put in front of you. Don't miss that he delights in you. Don't miss that he's crazy about you. Don't miss that he has good things for you. And this is not about to get prosperity, like uh, God will just keep heaping up, and if you are following God, he'll make you rich in this world. It's not that. But God, God delights in us, and God delights in giving his children good things. 
And if Jesus invites you to a steak dinner, eat it. Unless you're vegan, and then maybe have the asparagus. Enjoy, enjoy what God has given. Are you missing the joy that God has for you? Do you know what the answer is to that? Repent. Repent. God wants joy in your life. He wants to give it to you. He wants to shower you with joy. He wants you to delight in him and in what he's giving you. He doesn't want you to run around crazy and sin. That pulls you away. But he wants you to delight, delight in what he is giving. Don't think, don't think that going around this world with a frown on your face means that you're close to God. Delight in what he's giving you. Receive what he has for you. Paul says, don't let anyone condemn you for what you're eating. And don't start, don't be disqualified by thinking that all of these behavior modifications will do it. The source is Jesus. The filling is Jesus. And the joy is Jesus. He's greater than anything. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to be a people who are marked by you. We want to be a people who have our identity in you. And we want to be a people who find our joy in you. Help us, help us and protect us from living as people pleasers. Protect us from living life, always wondering what other people think and whether they're approving. Help us, help us to recognize that you have already approved of us that you already sent Jesus, that you already did everything that is required. Help us to receive that. Help us to be changed by that. Help us to fall, to fall more deeply in love with you and offer more of who we are to you. Not to earn more of your love, but in, in a response because we know we are loved. Keep us from condemnation. Keep us from disqualification. Keep us living life, delighting in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.